You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everybody, Russ with my hammers eleven. Hope you're all safe and well from new channel. Please consider subscribing, hitting the bell icon so you may know anytime I put new content in. Obviously, throughout the whole of September, we're trying to raise loads of money for the Iron Supporting Food Banks group. So we hope to raise twenty thousand pounds by the end of September. We're about eighteen grand, so not too bad. We've a week and a bit left, so make sure you donate to that. Link in the description below. Today's guest, another ex-hammer. I'm very fortunate enough to interview lots of fantastic ex-players, and, and Jimmy's no exception. Uh, he played um, 57 times completely in his time at West Ham, scored 22 goals. That 57 game, that's not too bad. 57 appearances, 22 goals. Um, and, uh, and you know, he, he helped us in, in that, that promotion season, uh, as well as obviously uh, lots of other fun and games during his times there. How are you, Jimmy? I'm good, thanks. How's uh, how's life considering been? My, considering my age, that's <laughs> <laughs> about to say. I'm not, I'm nothing they disrespect, but how's it, how's it been in this sort of like weird new world that everyone lives in now for you? Oh, it's just totally different, you know, particularly the, the football world, you know, with the, the amount of money players are earning. It just it makes you laugh, really. Yeah. Um, is, yeah. You know, I I was I had a long career and played for quite a few clubs and obviously West Ham was the, the best club I played at. Um, yeah, it's just uh, the, the, the game's different and the, obviously the money and everything else, the attention, the... VAR, everything, it's just, uh, it's, it's all just totally different. And yeah. I, I'm very fortunate because uh, I'm an ambassador at West Ham, so we'll get to see quite a few of the games. And, well, uh, not the moment. You can't see them in the moment. Not at the moment, no, not at the moment. That uh, This this lockdown is driving everybody nuts, isn't it? Um just keeps going on and on. And I, I don't really think the government know what they're doing. They don't know what, no. what to, you know, I'm not blaming them for anything, but. It just. Uh, I don't think anyone does, to be honest, Jimmy. Isn't it? I mean, it's that's the trouble. I think you know, you get mixed messages, and you know, I mean, you know, you know the British public more than anything. You know, give them an inch, and they'll take a mile. And and uh, and it's. I mean, you know, with the football and stuff as well. Obviously, we had 
you know, a whole you know, hundred days without Premier League football. I don't know how we survived. Mm-hmm. And and then we had a deluge of games behind closed doors. I was fortunate enough to be one of the 300 there. And um, and then back, yeah, doing more stuff now. So it's just weird, isn't it? And obviously you got some test games. Yeah, the West Ham women's team was a test game mm-hmm. last week, which was quite good by all accounts. Um, but you can have a test game of a thousand people, but you can't go into a pub with more than six of you. I know. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? It's just there's rules for some and rules for I don't, I don't understand half of it. But no. uh, in fact, next weekend I'm going up to Bradford um, playing a bit of golf, and there was seven of us, but one of the lads have had to drop out to make it six. It's wow. just crackers, isn't it? You know, it's, it's crazy. I had um, yeah, it's my birthday next week, and uh, and they uh, and we booked a table, and there's seven of us, and they've cancelled it. Love like, oh, yeah, you know, three of them are kids anyway, but it doesn't matter. But it, but it is what it is, and as you said, yeah, I mean, obviously with the lockdown and stuff and restarting behind closed doors, obviously loads of football going on. Jimmy, are you a, are you a crowd noise on or a crowd noise off person? I think it's better watching it with the noise on because. Yeah. You know, if, you, if there wasn't, you didn't hear the sort of fans in the background, it's uh, be quite boring, I think. I think it just, um, it, it's brilliant the way, the technology, the way they do it, because oh, yeah. when the, a goal scored, obviously it's just, you can hear, if the sound wasn't on, you just hear a few players like, like congratulating the goal scored, but because of the, the technology, it's like the fans are there. So I, I think it enhances it, you know. It's really clever. I mean, it's really clever. Although it did it make me laugh. It did make me laugh when we um, when we were playing Norwich and obviously we were 3-0 up at half-time and, and, and the crowd booed Norwich off the pitch. And and you know, <laughs> yeah. you know there's you know there's a, a turning point in your career when, when you get booed off by the robots, you know, and stuff. Oh, but, yeah, uh, yeah. But it was all good fun. Obviously, West Ham. Well, I've, did... I've experienced. I experienced that once or twice at Upton Park. You know, from the chicken run. You know, when you you're not doing well or you're losing at half time, they they certainly voice their opinion. The West Ham fans, but uh, yeah. yeah, that's that's the way it is. It's that's uh, the way it is. yeah, the technology is amazing. It's uh, it certainly enhances watching the games. That's for sure. Yeah, it certainly does. And uh, I mean, you know, it wouldn't have if we, you know when people talk about lockdown and stuff and you know we're fortunate in that we're in a world where we do have the technology now um could you imagine it being locked down 30 30 years ago or whatever when there's no no netflix there's no youtube you'll be crawling up the walls it'll be awful but at least we've got the technology to see us through it all but um and you know west ham did the job you know in the, in the re from you know after restart moisey got a, a tune out of them and uh they stayed up which is great which is which is what we wanted. Yeah, really, to, to be honest with you, the way the way it was looking at the time, Ross, it, you know, you, you feared a little bit. You know, you yeah. thought, well, are we going to get the results to stay up? But the performances and Antonio was like out of this world, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. You know, scored he scored four at Norwich the game of Watson. It was just amazing how, how they done it. And, he just uh, obviously. Bit- he had a bit between his teeth, didn't it? It just seemed, you know, and that's the Antonio you know. You know, I mean, you've yeah, but that's, that's, that's it, what it's know. like when you're when you're a striker and you and you score a few. You, sometimes you get on a run. I remember, you know, I done it at West Ham and I was at he Reading. Did. I scored about eight games on the trot and stuff. You know, when you're in the zone, like he was, and he was he was just. I'm not saying that he kept the team up on the zone, but <laughs> it wasn't far off it. No, he was exactly. absolutely out of this world, you know. And saying that, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about, about you joining a bit early, a bit, a bit, but obviously you said, you know, obviously when you joined West Ham, you went on a, quite a run. You know, I think you ended up being top goal scorer that season. 
having only joined from December. Um, <laughs> so he scored like was yeah, it thirteen. I joined the same time as Trevor Morley and Ian yeah. Bishop. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was an interesting story, actually, because we were in the Swallow Hotel oh, just uh, on the, the M25 there, and yeah. uh, a certain Paul Gascoigne was in there at the same time because he'd more or less joined Spurs at the same time. So that was that was interesting. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was... Uh, it was surreal, really, because I, I, I scored the winner against West Ham at Bradford City. Yeah. And it was about two two weeks after that. And I and I was happy at Bradford, you know, because I was playing for uh, um, uh, Terry Yorith, who was the manager at the time, and I really liked Terry. Norman Hunter was his assistant. Can you imagine working for them, two, oh, ex, two ex-Leeds legends? and <laughs> Fantastic. And, and he made me captain and everything else. And... Uh, he said to me, oh, West Ham have come in for you. And, and well, so, you know, West Ham's a brilliant club and that. But I was scoring goals at Bradford and I was happy there. Mm. And uh, I said, well, I don't really want to go because I'd moved a few times in the, in yeah. the previous year, you know. Mm. Uh, and the thought of uh, obviously moving house again and all this That's business, I thought, well, mm. I just well. And then he said to me, listen, get yourself down there because I won't be here long because he had a, a big fallout with the chairman. The chairman at the time was a guy called Jack Tordoff. He had a load of car businesses and whatever. Yeah. And uh, I said, okay. And then the next thing I knew was I uh, had a phone call from Lou McCarry. So obviously Lou had been on to Terry and Terry said, well, if you want to speak to Jim, there's his number or whatever. Yeah. And, and that was it. And Lou said, I want you down here, score a few goals. And that we're, we're, we're looking to get promotion and this, that and the other. And ended up going to West Ham. Yeah, and and it was it and and West Ham was were the it was just uh, an easy decision really was it when when Terry went you know you might as well go, you might as well go down yeah. and Lou phoned you yeah. up and then yeah it, it was and then obviously we were in me Ian and Trevor Morley were in the Swallow a bit together so we were going training but the interesting story was that uh, Ian and Trevor. They were there just before me, so they moved out. I think they, they brought the families down and whatever, yeah. and I was still in there. And every night, you know, if I'd been out in the day, obviously I went training, but yeah. if I went out in the afternoon or come in the evening, Gaza was sat at the bloody bar, wasn't he? <laughs> and he was going, Jimmy, get over here. And then in the end, it was it was that, he was with uh, that friend of his, is it uh, Jimmy, oh, like, Jimmy Five, Five Bellies yeah. or something? Yeah. And uh, I just couldn't get away from him. And he wouldn't let you go to bed. <laughs> so in the end, when I come back, if I was out anywhere and I come back, I had to go through the kitchens to the service elevator to get to my room. Because if you go on reception, because the bar was, you could yeah, see no, the reception yeah, no, from yeah, the bar. Yeah, yeah. And he just, like, he, he wouldn't let you go to bed. And, some, you know, we were there at, like, four or five in the morning. And then you had to go train the next day. How you oh, done it? I don't know, but he was yeah. there, he was there all the time. I just, uh, <laughs> oh, I just, uh, I couldn't get away from the guy. But great, yeah. lovely fella. Yeah, but uh, very sort of uh, dominant and come here. No, you're not going. I said that's it. I've had enough now. I'm going to bed, Gaza. No, no, have another one. Have another one. You know, it was all that business. So I, I, I just didn't have any willpower to no. tell him to do <laughs> one. You know, but, yeah. So- <laughs> then, so then you sneak around the back in the tradesman's entrance. Yeah, 
more or less, yeah, to get... To get uh, well, I'm not being funny, Jim. You know, you, you, I mean, you said, you mentioned Bish and stuff. I mean, you know, Bish was, was known. We've had him on the channel and friend of the channel, you know. He, he, he tells the odd story of a of a drunken night or two at West Ham, you know. There was a, <laughs> yeah. there was, there was a few... There was a few sort but that of, was the culture then. Yeah, you know, you played, you played hard, we trained hard, and, and we all had a drink and stuff. You know, it's a, it's a lot different now. Yeah, Players yeah. can't go out and... You know, because of social media and everything else, they can't go out and get drunk and like like they do. Obviously, you have a drink at home and stuff, but uh, it's yeah. it's just totally different. You know, that that was the way it was, and that was the way it was most of my career. That you know, the lads trained and they played, and then they always went out and had a drink together. And uh, I remember we, we at West Ham, we had a few golf days and stuff, and I, I can't even remember getting home after some of them. You know, <laughs> but uh, can't no, remember. You can't... How there's plenty, oh, golf golf. There's, plenty, yeah, exactly. there's plenty of good courses around there. Yeah, exactly. There's plenty of good courses around there. Obviously, you got Thaden boys and eight. Yeah, there was. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and, but that's the thing. And obviously, you know, we Bish tells me has told me the story how he used to. No, because I interviewed, I interviewed, he dobbed him in. I interviewed Martin Allen, and he said I would ask Bish about his love of polos, and obviously Bish always used to have a pack of polos in his pocket, and so. <laughs> Apparently they're extra strong mints. They weren't polos, but uh, it's it's quite funny. And it, as you said, it, it's. But I think, I think Jimmy, I think that those stories and that culture it endeared players to fans more than they do now. I don't. Ha I don't have the same relationship with players that that, that like now than I did no. during that, that era because they were more relatable. If that makes sense, you know, you could you could walk into the pub. You could walk into that 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 pub around by down by the Swallow, and you'd probably see. A couple of West Ham players in there, or you know, around a toll gate near the Channel yeah. Reef and stuff. And yeah. it was, it was, as you said, it's a different, it's a different world now. Footballers are now these sort of uber, uber. But as right, man, I remember the the players' bar at where at Upton Park, and it was yeah. packed out after every game, and there was everybody in there. The whole world, you know, uh, Ray Winston used to be in there all the time. It, you know, there was a couple of. That that program was on London's Burn. There was a couple of actors that oh, in that yeah, big yeah, West Ham yeah, fans. They were always in there, and then we used to go to pubs after after the players' bar. But obviously these days with social media, that the, they have got a players' bar um, at, at the London Stadium, but it's yeah. down by the changing room, and it's just for the families. Yeah. You know, can you imagine players having a drink after the game now when you've just got beat at home and. Everybody's got the phone taking pictures of them and that, so no. you can understand it. But in, in, when I played, it, it, it was great. Everybody was in there, and uh, I remember Frank McAvenny's uh, girlfriend at the time, Jenny Blythe, who was a page three model, and it could be like minus twenty one outside, and she'd always come <laughs> in and you know have these like, low cut tops on and stuff. That was interesting, but uh, yeah, that's oh, what, that's the way it was. It's uh, it it's was. just totally totally different now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, no, it is, it is, and I think that's a detriment, and I think it's a it's a sad thing as well. I just think, you know, footballers uh, don't seem as, I don't know what it is, it's just doing this sort of, doing this sort of series and, and interviewing fans and players, particularly from sort of the bygone, not bygone, it sounds old, but, you know, from the, the, the older generation, there does seem to be a, a real sort of togetherness you know even when the even when you interview fans they talk about the players that they loved and stuff yeah. they you had the real sense now it's like 
oh, okay, who are you going to put at left back? Uh, and they're struggling, and they they put someone in because they can't. They, they didn't have a Julian Dix in there, yeah. or you know, or a, oh. a Tonka, and it's it's horrible. You know, I mean, I, I used to live in Loughton, so you know, which is obviously near near the Swallow, and you used to see all the football players, and you you know, I used to work in a supermarket, and Shaka would be. Or, yeah, yeah, and and you you miss you know the, the excitement of walking down yeah. the road and seeing yeah fans fans don't see the players these days yeah. fans don't see the players these no. days you see the old player in the lounges but that's why the fans at the London Stadium love all the the ex players because we we have a chat with them and do the lounges yeah. and. Uh, you, you you know you meet some really nice people and it, you know it's an expensive do these days going yeah. to football you know and yeah. fair fair play them there there's nearly sixty thousand there every home game aren't yeah. there yeah uh, you, you've got I've got nothing but admiration and what you do is you get to know one or two of them yeah. when you do the lounges and they always go hey you Jimmy and all that they're, they're lovely yeah. people you know and they all love the the club I mean the the support there is outstanding isn't it it's fantastic it is. Sometimes the uh, the games can be a l- little bit sort of iffy, you know. It's uh, you know, it's totally different. We were talking about it earlier, the pitches and everything else. Yeah. You know, I remember Upton Park, like it was like a quagmire, yeah. you know, when it, it poured down for a few days. But that that sort of enhanced the excitement of the game, you know. Yeah. But now they play on perfect, like carpet-like pitches, don't they? And the balls are lighter and everything else. They don't even get the kit dirty these days, do they? <laughs> so, no, but it's all it's, it's all just artificial. A different game, it but is, it's um, grass and it's artificially, you know, stitched in, and it's just totally different now. But um, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, when you look at obviously, you, when, you know, when you joined West Ham, and obviously you came in, and obviously Lou brought you in with with Bish and Trev. And um, we, we, we spoke about going through hot streaks. And, you know, I mean, that season, well, that rest of that season from December onwards, you know, you, you banged in a fair few goals that season, Jim, didn't you? Well, so the sound's gone a little bit. Can you... Oh, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, it's good. I don't know what's happened to the sound. It's just gone a bit... Uh... Oh, I, I can still hear you quite well. And you still come okay. I'll talk a bit louder. <laughs> <laughs> Can you hear it was me? Okay a minute ago. It's just yeah, I think something. I think someone called you or whatever, and, and it's sort of it's um, something's happened. Yeah, they but, did. Yeah. yeah, yeah, typical. You know, you know, busy man. Um, so I was going to say, when you joined, obviously you joined and in, in December, and then from then until May, you sort of you, you talk about hot streaks. You were, as I said, you ended up being top goal scorer for the club that season. Um, yeah. Was it just because you were, you know, why why did you? Because a lot of people take time to sort of bed into a team. But, you know, almost straight away you were starting to bang in the goals. Why do you think that was? Just because you were in a, a good vein oh, of form from Bradford? I'd, I'd scored uh, a few goals at Bradford mm. before I went to West Ham. As I say, I scored the winner. It was a, it was a late goal, right? In, uh, I think it was the 90th minute yeah. when I scored. And then uh, I was just in that sort of frame of mind, you know, that I knew my job. I, I was the right age at the time, uh, sort of late 20s, around the 30 mark. And, I was experienced and obviously the players I was playing with, I played with some fantastic yeah. players. I mean, as you know, I played for Northern Ireland, I played some great players for Northern Ireland, yes. but the best club player I played with, without a shadow of a doubt, was Julian Dix. Yeah. You know, he, he could literally play any position in the team, yeah. uh, including goalkeeper, by the way. He, yeah, he was just... Uh, and I, I lived in Billericay with, with Julian, so we used to travel in all the time together. and. Oh, we we had uh, we had great fun in that, but uh, what what a player to play with, and when you play with players like that, I mean there was there's some good players at Bradford, 
but not as many as yep. we had in the West Ham squad. Uh, Martin Allen, I used to room with Martin. Uh, Mad Dog, they called him, but um, <laughs> that, that was an in- interesting time room with Martin. But uh, very good players, you know, Alvin Martin, Tony Gale, yeah. Phil Parks started in goal and then Ludo came into the onto the scene. But uh, it was Stevie Potts, uh, Stewart, Ray Stewart, yeah. great, great players. You know, yeah, it was yeah. a privilege for me to play players of that level week in and week out and yeah. at the time at West Ham there was, there was probably four or five strikers so it wasn't easy to no. either get in the team or stay in the team you had to produce the goods so mm. um, obviously as you know Lou McCarley signed me because mm. he had me before at, at Swindon yeah. um, and then he obviously left yeah. the club after it was a matter of weeks, wasn't it? Yeah, Four, well, yeah, five Feb- weeks. February, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and then Billy took over, and uh, Billy didn't really change much. He, he he sort of kept the same same team and same squad and same way that we were playing. So it it was just continuation, really, sure. and uh, we just managed to go from like strength to strength because up until me, Trevor, and Ian, Ian Bishop uh, came, they, they were sort of hit and miss West Ham, they'd win yeah. one week and lose the next and yeah. it was just a matter of uh, getting a, a few new players in to get that level of consistency that sure. you know, eventually got us into the playoffs yeah. into the top uh, top two positions, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then obviously, then you had the next year. So it was obviously Billy's first full year in charge, and obviously you went up that year, didn't we? The ninety ninety one season. Yeah. Um, just missed. Yeah, it was. At the uh, end. Picked at the post by Oldham for the title. Um, I remember that very well. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was. It was uh, we did. We, we we managed to go up the next the next season and. Uh, uh, it, probably the worst decision I ever made was uh, I left. Yeah. Um, I uh, I still had uh, about a year on the contract. Mm. Uh, I remember Ronnie Boyce coming to me and and saying. You know, it wasn't Billy. It was, Ronnie just said, "Listen, if you want to play regular football, it might be an idea to, you know, get yourself out playing somewhere yeah. else." You know, um, and I've always regretted that. I should have stayed an extra year because obviously we did go up into the the Premier League, the yeah. well, the top league, and yeah. uh, I'm, I'm quite sure if I'd have played, I'd have scored a few goals. There's, there's oh, no definitely. doubt about that. So I ended up going to to I dropped down two divisions to play for. Uh, Harry Redknapp at Bournemouth, yeah, um, which I didn't really want to do, you know. Uh, but uh, Harry can be very persuasive, you know. <laughs> um, there's, a, there's a story behind that as well. But uh, yeah, I, I went down there and enjoyed my time, and I ended up leading goal scorer at Bournemouth and scored about twenty five, I think. Wow. But uh, and that and and that's, that's the thing, my I mean... mate. My mate's trying to ring me again, Ross. Oh, you're, you're just <laughs> popular. You're pop- you're a popular man, Jim. Um, and, and that's the thing. I mean, it's obviously when it would change a manager, it's always particular. It must have been tricky as well. You know, not not tricky, but obviously, you know, Lou brought you in and then obviously Bill came in and, you know, okay, different manager. But it sort of like sorted itself out. And as you said, that's following season, you know, got promoted. And then obviously we had that, the famous semi-final, um, the Nottingham yeah. Forest semi-final. And obviously you came on, came off the bench. What was it like... Because everyone always talks about, it, and I was never there. I wasn't there, unfortunately. 
But it was just a completely crazy game from the fans' perspective. You know, they they chanted the whole game despite losing four 0 The whole and ran, game, yeah. and I've ran never on the seen pitch. And, like oh, it. Yeah, I mean, I was on the bench that day, and obviously everybody knows what happened. Gailey got sent off. Yeah. Um, uh, by uh, it's, what was it? It was uh, Keith Hackett, wasn't it? The, yes. the referee. Yes. But our fans, it was just incredible, and it, yeah. it wasn't just uh, uh, during the game. It was traveling up there. Uh, you, you know, there was West Ham. It seems that West Ham fans in every car we passed, you know, on the motorway and everything else, it was amazing. <laughs> all waving out the windows, and but the the sound on the day was uh, was just amazing. But the the, yeah. the obvious dis- disappointment was that we we didn't get the right result. No. You know, maybe through a bad referee indecision because it was never a sanding off. No. Um, he got it completely wrong, which made it false, and then. Of course, the pitch as well was absolutely terrible. Yeah. There was about 40 tonne of sand on the pitch. And then, if you can remember, the other semi-final was played at Wembley. Yeah. You know, and we've had to play at Aston Villa's ground where the pitch was, like, ripped up and everything else. It was terrible. Um, obviously, losing losing Gailey. It wasn't just about losing a player and being down to 10 men. It was the effect of the decision that the referee made. It just seemed all the players in the team just seemed to drop their heads, sure, yeah, you know, yeah. because they couldn't believe that he made such a bad decision. Yeah. Um, and I, and I still believe I've seen Gailey a couple of times since, and he still has a hump with Keith Hackett, <laughs> you know. And I think they even had an, they, they even had an interview together, and Gailey told him so that you know, you, you got yeah. that completely wrong, yeah. And he probably admit to uh, Keith Hackett has actually admitted to maybe make you know, making the wrong decision, but. It's, and it, that makes it worse when you hear that. You know, it's wrong. You know, yeah, that he, yeah. he, no, that he thinks that he, he actually made the wrong decision. But yeah. the fans, it was just, yeah. I've never seen anything like that. It was yeah. just amazing. From you couldn't, I couldn't even hear, I was on the bench and you couldn't even hear somebody next to you talking to you. Wow. It was that loud all the time. Wow. You know, and Mental. yeah, Forrest, they, they won the game 4 0. And a young Roy Keane was playing in the team at the time. Yeah. But you, you never heard any of their, their fans hardly. You heard, obviously, when they scored the goals, they they, they, they reared up. But yeah. our fans just kept chanting from the first minute right to the to the very end. It was like we won the game at the end yeah. and we were out clapping them all. And, yeah. But you feel, as a player, you feel like you've let people down. It's very sure. hard to to do that, you know, when, you, when you've lost 4-0 and you've had a player sent off. And and you still feel aggrieved that the referee made a made a yeah. decision that's uh, affected the the course of the game, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, it was a, it's a game you, that you wouldn't forget for for different reasons, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. And I mean, you know, we talked about how how the game's changed now. That would have been sent up to VAR, wouldn't it? If we had, if it was then. Most definitely, most yeah. Most definitely overturned. Well, I can't remember. Is it was it Crosby, the little wing that he was? He dived all around. It was like a ten, yeah. a ten off a diving board, wasn't it? <laughs> you know, and you couldn't believe that he conned the referee. That's what makes me laugh about football sometimes. That the people do that, and the referee can't see through it. You know. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously years later, Keith Hackett admitted, "Oh, I probably made a mistake there on that uh, that decision." Great. Yeah. Yeah, just stopped uh, a great set of fans and a great football club maybe getting to an FA Cup final. But yeah, exactly. That's history. That is history. That is history, unfortunately, Jimmy. Um, 
Right, let, let's let's talk about your your eleven, your hammers eleven. So that's, that's the idea of this whole show. Is yeah, I've had, I've had the right it down in case I forget some <laughs> names. <laughs> oh, I love it. So, so as I said, the only rule, I mean, for, for the players, it's, it's it's people they've played with at their time at West Ham, and you can play any formation you want, Jimmy. Um, it doesn't really matter. Which just eleven names. Um, uh, we'll start off in goal because you haven't got, you know, it's one one or two, one or two, I think it is. Um, you could pick. Um, and uh, who are you going to have in goal for the for the Quinn eleven? Well, it, it, it was a very difficult decision because obviously Phil Parks played when I was there and Ludo McCloskill. Yeah. Uh, and it's very hard to to separate them. You know, I know Phil was uh, wasn't he the highest? It was the highest fee for a goalkeeper yeah. at the time when he came to yeah. West Ham and all that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's very hard to, to split them two up, but I'll I'll go with uh, with Ludak. Yeah, because I just thought he was. Uh, I just thought he he was obviously not not better than Phil Parks, but no. he's probably a bit more athletic. Yes, than yes. Phil Parks. Yeah, uh, but both of them have got the same attributes: great shot stoppers. Dominant in the air, could kick a ball great and everything else. Very hard to split them up, but yeah. I'll, I'll, I've gone with uh, big Ludo. Ludo! Ludo! Uh, Ludo and goal. It sounds it good. Great, when he first came, you know, he couldn't hardly speak any English. It was hilarious. And then Still can't really, uh, as he went along, he started picking bits up and that. And it's just funny to, to hear him coming out with some of the stuff. Yeah. Oh, bless him. Oh, he's a lovely guy as well. Right, okay, Ludo's in goal. Jimmy, you go for the team as you've got it written down, man. Well, I've got right back. Uh, yeah. There was two. There was obviously Potsy and uh, yeah. and Stewart. Uh, I've gone for Ray Stewart. Yeah. Tonka, who, who's... Uh, it was a pleasure for me to, to play with because obviously he played for not only West Ham, he played for Scotland and, mm. and that, and he was renowned for, for taking penalties. So... For me, he's just Ed's potsy out of that position. Yeah. Uh, and he's a great character as well, Ray. You know, I see him now and again. He comes down for some of the games. and He does. He, he hasn't changed a bit. He's he's he's, uh, he's always docking and diving and always got a story to tell. Uh, it's great to to speak to some of the old players. Yeah. Uh, two centre-halves were Tony Gale and Alvin Martin, who were different class. Gailey yeah. was more of a uh, a ball player. Uh, a cultured centre half and and Alvin Martin, who I know very well because he used to mark me in training all the time and kick lumps <laughs> off me. Um, and Billy Bonds had this session that he uh, I remember he used to put on all the time that was man for man, and he always put me with, with Alvin. And Alvin used to just ch- hunt me down and kick me over the hedge or something, you know. <laughs> I hated it, but uh, but what a great player! Yeah, very very underrated player, Alvin Martin. You mm. know. Uh, Obviously, one of the the greats I think has played for West Ham. Yeah, uh, he was cultured, but he was he was rock hard. And yeah. I remember one game that I I lost my marker from a corner, and he's grabbed me by the throat. He said, "Don't you ever leave your marker again?" And I didn't. <laughs> Tell you what, he scared the bloody life out of me. Oh, but uh, great, great player. Yeah, and obviously the best club player I've ever played with at left back, Julian yeah. Dix, without yeah. a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. Uh, this this guy was hard as nails. He could head the ball. He he could you know his left foot was like a hammer. Um, he he just had everything, uh, and he could literally play any position on the pitch. 
I mean, he used to play up front in training and all that, and he'd be whacking goals in left, right, and centre. Uh, you, you know, it's just just an amazing talent. Um, uh, and I was fortunate enough to play for Northern Ireland, some great players, obviously, the great Pat Jennings and Norman yes. Whiteside and Sammy McElroy and people like that. But he, without a shadow of a doubt, is the best club yeah. player I've played with, that's for sure. Uh, on the on the right, um, I've got uh, Kevin Keane, oh, yes. who Keane. is another very underrated player, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, he's a player that could get up and down the park. Uh, slight in, in stature, I have to mm. say, but wasn't f- frightened to put his... Uh, he wasn't a tackler or anything like that, but I'll tell you what, he didn't have to get through some work. Um and then, obviously, uh, in the centre midfield, Martin Allen, the two centre midfielders, and Ian Bishop. Ian Bishop was a more cultured uh, yeah. uh, footballer who who provided you with great balls if you if you were up front. And uh, Martin Allen was a little bit different. He used to run beyond strikers at the time and get into the box and scored uh, quite a few decent goals. He's, yeah, he did. Um, on the left at the time. Uh, a young Stuart Slater who held that position, held, yeah. you know, I, he, he took teams apart on his own sometimes, some of the games yeah. I've seen. I remember we played Sheffield United at home and I scored a hat-trick in that game yes. and Stuart got uh, man of the match. So that tells you how good he yeah. was, you know. He yeah. absolutely tore the... I think the, the full-back was... Um, it might have been Wilf Rostrum who'd been at, do you remember him that was at Watford before and he'd moved to Sheffield United? And anyway, I think he was nearly on his knees by the end of that game (laughs) because Stuart just ran him ragged, you know. Um, And he set set up to, I think, two of the goals for me, two of the goals I scored in that game. But uh, he was lightning quick, scored a few goals himself and he always uh, used to provide you with decent service. So he was on the right. And uh, up front, uh, Trevor Morley, who's probably the best centre forward that I played with in really? my career, uh, and that's saying a lot because I played with Norman Whiteside for about course, twenty yeah. internationals. Yeah. Norman was a great player, but Trevor was—he um, scored goals himself, but his hold-up play was different class. Yeah. You know, it was—it's a dream because I, in my career, I, I was always the big striker. I was always the one winning the headers and holding the ball up and flicking it on to the other striker to score maybe and and stuff so for me to play with another strike that held the ball up where i could pick pick up passes off him and uh sometimes he sat back to the midfield and then i'd make the second run and that it was just a dream you know uh and again he was uh a very underrated player in my opinion he was he was a great player trevor morley as i say he scored goals um and on the other side uh uh, I've put myself because I like playing with Trevor. <laughs> yeah, of course, you've got to get a, you've got to get those appearances up, Jimmy. Don't you? What do you think? But I mean, we had uh, Frank was at the club at the time, but Frank was, went yeah. through a, a period where he had uh, an awful lot of injuries. You know, yeah. I think he had an operation on his ankle at the time and stuff. You know, but uh, yeah, that was basically the team, and it was a. Uh, you look at the, you look. I look at them names now, and I haven't written down for, I haven't seen them for years, and uh, yeah, we had a, a, a decent side, didn't we? A cracking team, a cracking team, you know, and it's um... great, great. Uh, I don't think you can pick it. I mean, I've got an all-time 
Hammers eleven that I've picked and Go some on, brilliant players, aren't they? Who's your, who's your all-time Hammers eleven, Jimmy? Two, two for one. Who's your all-time Hammers eleven then? Well, I've got uh, I've got Phil Parks in goal. Yeah. I've got uh, Ray Stewart. Yeah. Bobby Moore. Yeah. Alvin Martin. Yeah. Julian Dix. Good shout. Yeah, yeah. And nice just shot. sitting in front of them screening, Billy Bonds. Yeah. Where what he played the, there. Sorry, what was what was Billy like? Because obviously, as as a manager, because you know you hear the stories of him being the fittest man in in the club and stuff like that, and the Hainal Forest cross country and stuff like that. What was he like as a I'll tell manager? you, it was embarrassing, really. He, yeah. he was, I think he was 40 uh, when I was there, and he, he we'd done pre-season running and stuff, and he was always up the front. <laughs> you know, you've seen him in the distance and stuff. He ridiculously fit man, and, and what a great player. What yeah, a yeah, great yeah. player. Um, but he, I, I put him in front of the back of four course. there, yeah. and, because I know he played centre half, but he played in midfield as well. Yeah, he scored. He scored one or two goals. He did, but yeah. uh, he is he, with. I mean, for me, there's only one other player that would be better than him over over in his in the history of West Ham, and that's Bobby Moore. Yeah. Um, brilliant player, absolutely. Yeah. I've actually, uh, I've actually, uh, I've just written a book, which will be published shortly. Very good. And I've written two poems. Uh, one of them's about Bobby Moore, and one of them's about oh. Billy Bonds, actually. Oh, lovely. Um, which will be in the books. So you'll have to wait Fantastic. and uh, see that one. I'll let you know when it's out, yeah, Ross. Definitely. But, uh, yeah, I'll give it a plug. Yeah. Definitely. He was. Uh, he, he never really got too excited whether you won a game or whether you no. lost a game. No. He used yeah, to yeah. come in after, and it was either, uh, well done, lads, get in the bath. Or it was unlucky lads getting a bath. You know, we didn't really sort of uh, go into a big routine after the games, which yeah. which was great because that sort of thing keeps the confidence going, you know. Because mm. I've been in change rooms where the manager comes in after the game and he's having a go at players, you know, if you've lost or you've conceded a goal or whatever and picking people out. Mm. Uh, he was never one to do that, Bill. He was he was that he was clever, That's you know. Really interesting, really, because obviously now now I mean obviously you've got all these documentaries now where you've got like you know the Spurs one, I think that is the Leeds one, second series, and you you see the the sort of particularly Mourinho will come off the pitch and they'll be ranting and raving and 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 I can see how some players will react badly to that because they're like even more so now i think you've got to be really careful with the managers the way they interact with players because they can be so pretend not pretend but so precious rather uh the players and so someone like billy coming in just saying oh unlucky lads you know everyone knows you've lost you know there's not really more you can yeah. say or well yeah, done, what guys. he used to do because after a game obviously emotions are high whether yeah, you've won a game or you've lost again yeah so he, he was intelligent enough not to sort of pick anybody out or do whatever it was always like beginning of the week he'd, he'd pull you in his office or he'd pull you on the training ground and say listen have a, you know what do you think of this have a look yeah. at that and I think you can do that a little bit better and, and whatever um, that's good yeah he was a, he was a, he was a good guy he's, a, he, he, he's what he is he's, yeah. he's just a genuine nice guy yeah. who, who obviously was a, a brilliant footballer in his day and and when he spoke, you, you you stood up and listened. He didn't he didn't sort of over elaborate or he didn't go into a big long, you know, not, not like Mourinho. Like so I've seen that series. He likes the sound of his own voice, doesn't he? he loves it. Surprised really. me really because 
He hasn't really come out with anything different than I've ever seen in the game from different managers. I don't think anyone has. You know, it's like everyone says, "Oh, you know this." You know, you know, obviously with the, you know, with the the Guardiola's and and, and the Klops. You know, we had we had Devon um, a few weeks ago, and he was like, "John Law was doing that stuff forty years ago." You know, it's like it's not. You yeah, know, the surprise force, the me. Force nine. Surprise me, really. Yeah. It is obviously it Klopp, for, for me the best manager in the league without shadow of a doubt, and it's not just because they won the league last year, but Jurgen Klopp is just yeah, yeah. unreal. Yeah, that guy is is one hell of a manager. You know, you, you you'd want to just lay down and die for him. You know, yeah. I don't think I'd feel the same playing for Mourinho. That's for sure. No, and it's quite funny. You look at Klopp, and, and they they just and it's not just because he's a Tottenham manager, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's quite funny that I mean that that Tottenham documentary is funny. The second they announced Mourinho's come in, and and they they really sort of look at all the players, and they're all like, "Oh God, oh God, oh God," you know, like they shit themselves, yeah. Mourinho. But what I like about Klopp is, you know, you look at his transfer handlings, and if it, you know, if it led to be believed, he's signing Thiago from Bayern Munich today. Um, it was, I think, they've spent. 260 million they've sold 270 million and you wouldn't say and you'd say their squads improved dramatically yeah. it's all about you know as you said it's how how resources are allocated but uh no i do love those documentaries and it's quite funny watching the leeds one because bielsa has this sort of persona about this being and, he, and he's just a complete nutter he's just such a strange man and it's really interesting to hear about these things but anyway yeah, he, he, he's a different character altogether that guy completely you know? differently um yeah. and and it's great that he's back and he's in the premier league because leads back in his back but he's in the premier league because i think you need an we need a new character you know what i mean guardiola's yeah. been around klopp Mourinho, you need someone else, and Bielsa seems one of those extra characters to just, you know, it used to be like Ferguson and Wenger, and you had all these like, you know, rivalries, and um, I just think Bielsa, yeah. I think it's quite a good one. But anyway, we'll go back to your all time. You had Bonzo playing the defensive, like holding me, me, me field player. Yeah, I've got oh, and, and the midfield. I've got Billy sitting in, and yeah. then I've got Alan Devonshire, who was absolutely outstanding really? as a player. I thought. Totally. Uh, Trevor Brooking. So Trevor, who I not only loved watching play for West Ham uh, when he played for them, but when he played for England with Kevin Keegan, they, yeah. they had a partnership and I just thought that both of them were outstanding at the time. Great player. And then I've got uh, two rather exciting players playing just off uh, Jeff Hurst. Okay. And that's the can you on the right hand side and pay it on the left. Ooh, so uh, on paper that looks uh, like a, an unbeatable team to me, yeah. but um, obviously everybody's got the the favourites and whatever. But I just look at that and I think, well, that team would take some beating, you know. Yeah, particularly um, on the on the bowling greens of London Stadium, rather than you know. The some old... of them older players would like the money these guys are getting today as well, wouldn't they, when you look at that? It's, uh, it's, so it's right. brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. So right. Jimmy, man, it's been absolutely lovely chatting to you. Thank you so much. I've really, really enjoyed it. It's so nice chatting to you. Thank you. Um, it's been a real pleasure. And obviously, thank you to everyone who's been watching or listening. Uh, make sure you share, subscribe. And until next time, for me and Jimmy... Take care, everyone. Stay safe. Come in your wines, and we'll see you again very, very soon. Take care, everyone. Bye bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.